everyone. Hi. Hey, I am Charming. Hi, Charming. I'm Mr. Hilarious. You're not Mr. Hilarious. You're just hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, Screw that up already. Thank you, Ioana Says Go, for your uh, labels for us. We had a conversation. We talked about uh, um, uh cast talk last podcast. Yeah. I, and, and, and we had a little Twitter exchange afterwards. She insisted we were charming and hilarious. We insisted she was wrong. In fact, she is wrong because in this room, she cannot argue with us anymore. So Correct. All right. So um, I'm actually not Brent. And I am not Alan. <laughs> I always wanted to say stuff and see what Brent does. But hey, this is episode 27 of AB Testing. Welcome, everyone. And uh, 27, I don't, it's a, it's a nice number. Sure. It's a cube. Divides by three. Yeah, that's might even good. be three squared. Three, <laughs> <laughs> three cubed. Don't, don't you have a, don't you have like a math degree? <sighs> Gonna sip some coffee here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I gotta think what's new. What's new with you? Anything anything cool and exciting going on? Hey, I just came back from vacation. Where where'd you vacate to? Uh took two weeks off. Um first week I spent uh, finishing off a sentiment analysis project for my school. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, I know. It sounds no. boring, but no, it was I li- really I li- cool. Um, it, it's a lot more work than, than I ever expected to just get to 85% accuracy. Um, and then I spent the next week at uh, Walt Disney World. Uh, those who are around or near Florida during last week, um, one, of the, one of the exciting things was uh, it's hurricane season. And uh, Erica spent a good portion of the week threatening to l- let us not go home. <laughs> so every day I was calling the airlines, hey, have you canceled? What's going on? Um, and it turns out uh, up until literally 8 p.m. that day, um, everything was gorgeous. Except it's freaking humid in, in Florida. I'm never moving there. All right, good to know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Actually, people in Florida will be happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah, they're lucky. Anyway, yeah, it was it was good times. Very cool. Very cool. Should we dive right in? Uh, one thing. No, not yet. We talked about her presentation where we got the the, yeah, the charming yeah. and uh, hilarious. I went and re reviewed it after our our. And you didn't podcast? like you didn't like it, did you? Oh, it was fantastic. Oh yeah, good. Because I thought, <laughs> thought this whole thing was going to go off in the fantastic. wrong direction. Uh, there, one of her slides where she talks about the mysterious customer. I'm <laughs> 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 like, uh, that that cracked me up. It, I um I didn't see the recorded talk, so I haven't seen her presentation oh, I file. I got the slides and I walked through. I think them. it's finally been posted. What they they kind of post things in order. I haven't chance to go through everything. I've only watched a couple talks, but. Uh, I believe it's posted now. I, I think I, I saw a tweet about that. I absolutely think it's it's a uh, worthwhile. Right, I'll uh, see if I can dig up a link and put it in the uh, the elaborate show notes I post every every episode. Okay. <laughs> that was sarcasm for those of you that just download the episode and never read the show notes. There's like two sentences there. In this episode, Alan and Brent talk about nothing. Period. And yeah, we're like the Seinfeld of test podcasts. Except we're not we're, funny. We're not Despite <laughs> us being charming and hilarious. <laughs> That's absolutely true. All right. So uh, one thing uh, in number 26, podcast 26, 
uh, we were talking about cast and we had a, just a like a 30 second talk about context driven testing the school and uh, which I thought was plenty. But Brent would like to talk about it some more. So I'm always a fair game. Talk about uh, well, we'll, so we'll dive in a little bit. I don't know. It, it's it's almost a mailbag item, right? We mailbag. All right, now it is a mailbag item. All right, that's what we did. Right, here. we had a, we had several folks who took that that thirty second blurb that we um, put in and wanted to get more information from us as to why we sort of felt that way. So are you, let's get some of the, the, before someone just turns off the podcast and either yells at us or just ignores us, are you against the context-driven school? I am not against any of the schools. The the thing is, so Alan in in his Twitter response said something and I, I don't think I could say it more succinctly. I just think it's redundant. I only had 140 characters. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I think the context-driven school of testing is redundant. I think and it's just simply testing. I'll play devil's advocate because I've watched the growth and the um, the following of this school. And so I'll, I'll play the other side of it. And there, there is bad testing going out there. There is factory-type testing happening uh, in the world today. I also call that bad testing. Or, I mean, I think all, when I uh, first read Lessons Learned in Software Testing, uh, which I, I don't, I think the, the, the school is out before them, but it was mentioned in that school quite, a, mentioned in that book quite a bit. I thought, well, a lot of this stuff is like, yeah, this is, is that all. Kemp's book? That's the, uh, I call it the Gang of Four book. It's Bach, Petticord, Cam, maybe just three of them. Bach, Petticord, and Kaner. Okay. Um, lots of, you know, interesting ideas. Um, uh, I thought it was great that, uh, you know, sometimes there are things like, I know I haven't read it like in 10 years, but like one page says, do this. Next page says, don't do this. I thought it was great. It's kind of a good, that was a funny way to bring up context. Like it depends, uh, both articles were about the context of when you do that, why it's good and why it's bad. And I think uh, if testing weren't knowledge work, if testing were, the same thing. It's like you need to make sure that if software testing was there are four red buttons and four green buttons on this thing, make sure when you press each of them, they make a ding sound. You would not need context for that. But I think any knowledge work is context driven. And I can't think of any sort of uh, whether it's there's no context driven school of lawyers, but lawyers for the most part, even like the most boring law job you can think of, there is context to how you do that. You know, you, you know what I mean? Medicine, especially. You, there's no context driven school of medicine. I'm, I'm trying to think of, wait, I, I, I started off on devil's advocate and then I, and then I fell off the wagon. I'm sorry. No, I actually, <laughs> I think that's probably the best you could do on devil's advocate in this context. Um, years ago, before I had, I had gone back to school and significantly slowed down on on writing my blogs, I actually wrote a blog um, entitled "Test" is a four letter word. I remember that one. That was one of your first ones, I think. Uh, first, you've written one like, of the earlier ones. Yeah, you've only written like ten, so I'd written at least fifteen. All right, whatever. <laughs> anyway, go on. Um, and in there, I was referring to. I found a. There's a link in that blog. Um, 
towards an old slide deck that um, from Petacord, who talks about the the four schools. And after our last podcast, I brought it up because I wanted to remind myself of the of the context or the content rather. And the first slide, like, uh, bothers me immensely. Uh, he just it's it's Brett announcing the four schools. I think there's five now. I don't recall what the fifth one is called. Agile School. Mm. 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 Which I think, you know... Yeah. And who wrote that? I, You know what? I haven't haven't followed the etymology. Like it was added. It could have been Petticord, I think. And we'll get a lot of corrections from the the hardcore indoctrinees of these schools. But uh, again, I think it's very similar. It overlaps a lot with the... uh, the context driven. In fact, I would. Anyway, there's an agile school as fifth one, and there's a sixth one also. I wonder if Lisa or Elizabeth have uh, the sixth one. Validated. The sixth one I'm introducing today. I'm going to get the cat out of the bag. Is the Allen and Brent School of Testing? <laughs> I think we should come up with a the AB Testing School. <laughs> that may imply actual AB testing, so I was worried about that one. We'll call it the <clears throat> B, the BA testing. I'm okay. Bat testing. I'm okay with that. Um, but when you look at the slide deck, like the first first thing I notice is that it was published and presented February two thousand and three. Well, for the first time, right? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and stay on the devil's advocate side. I'm. Just, it was I don't know when Lessons Learned came out. I guess it was right about then. Maybe it was two thousand four. Maybe it was three that it came out. So actually, they, maybe they overlapped a little bit. When did, um, when did your book come out? Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. It is now 2015, I believe. Oh, yes. Let me check my calendar. Okay. Good job. And we, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and you've even blogged about it. Your, the content of your book, if you were to write that today, yeah, how much, if you were to write we, second we, edition. We all know that, but that book is very, there are, there are timeless books. There are books from longer ago that I still find very relevant. So that's, so I, I don't want to harp. Are you now I, playing devil's advocate, or do you actually think that that's relevant in this context? Um, it's slightly relevant. I think what's happened, what's happened over the years, is the other schools, which are factory analytic. What's the other one? You know, they've become even less quality relevant. assurance. Oh factory yeah, analytic. I, I, I think. I wonder if it's in context. Um. Is I think those schools have become those schools have become less relevant. In fact, if I were to rewrite this, and I'm not going to, I'm not giving suggestions, and I'm sure someone will tell someone cool and they'll yell at me about this. But if I were to rewrite, if I were to look at this, say I wrote this a bunch of years ago, like I I looked I looked at my book, and I thought, well, this isn't relevant. You mean? Yeah. Let me let me finish my sentence. So I have talked about how I would rewrite my book if I could rewrite it today. Yep. If I had written this this slide deck. Uh, I think the way I think about it today is less about the four schools and there's just sort of a treatise on how testing, because it's knowledge work, needs to be context driven. And because I think the other schools, um, they are, I mean, I'm sure someone can give me examples of Joe Podunk IT shop in Saskatchewan, uh, absolutely is the factory school for these reasons. And that's great. But they probably don't make software that people like or, or use very often. I think anything you're, you know, I think, good, even not even great, but all good software testing is absolutely context-driven. So, so the idea of indoctrinating a school around it 
it doesn't bother me because like okay whatever but it seems uh like it's like whatever to me it's like i I, I, it, it's yeah. the same same for me right it's what they're i'm a by the way i am a crappy devil's advocate don't hire me as a devil's advocate because i i fall off the wagon too easily i can't i can't i can't keep in my role it depends on the context oh you know what yeah we should have separate test and dev alan do you think you could devil's advocate that side or the opposite side well the funny thing is is one of my um there's a I probably have half a dozen quotes I use often enough where I claim them as my own and I should number them at some point. But one of them is the answer to any sufficiently complex question is it depends. And I don't know if I've been using that sentence for longer than the context driven school has been around or not, but I've been using it for a long, long time. Yes. So it doesn't matter. Yes. (laughs) And I want to suggest, I mean, uh, Daniel Pink is well known for drive and motivation, but the book previous to that, I'm a big Dan Pink fan, um, wrote a book called, uh, crap, now I can't remember. No, no, don't look it up. It's going to come back to me. A Whole New Mind. Boom! Um, (laughs) Whole New Mind, which is about knowledge workers and how people who use the right side of their brain are going to, creativity as part of their work, are going to rule the world. And it's... It's not rocket surgery. It's not unique to testing that it's context-driven. We need to get out of that mindset. So, yes, testing needs to be context-driven, and we can't test software that people actually would like to use and want to use the same way we test buttons on a widget. Okay? Done. Story over. Agreed. But you had more you wanted to say. So now, uh, so just looking at the um, at this deck, num- like number one, this is old, old, old content. I, I would say it at, at today, the only real value in the, the context-driven school is for people who, who need that to validate their identity. Right. That, Let, that's quite honestly it. It gives people like to belong. Um, yes. So sure, I belong. You know, I'm in the context-driven school. That's great. And I think there are people, the one thing I liked about watching the cast talks is there's some people that are really, go, they wear their, their, their context-driven school name patch proudly on their jacket every day. Uh, but what I noticed a lot of the talks, it was a lot of talks actually just from people like Ioana who just uh, just gave a good talk and they didn't dive into the doctrine of, of CDT. Uh, they just talked about doing good testing work. And I think that's, and that's good. I think that's great. So um, Agreed. Whatever. If you need it for your identity, that's fine. I'm not, I, again, I have nothing against the context-driven school. Uh, maybe I have something against schools. I don't know. It just, probably, I think we've, have we elaborated enough on that? Yeah, I Oh, let so. me do the preemptive next, so that, so that brings up the next podcast. Um, somebody at some point in the next week or so, well, uh, maybe even today, if I get this out today, we'll post a link to an updated doc on the school and say, no, Alan, it's much different. We have an updated doc. It's not old. It is in context. And I'm going to read it, and I'm going to go, yeah, but my my stance is the same. So this is nice. You updated it. I'm great. Uh, great. You took care of the problem of being old, and, and it really is still contextual today, and that's awesome. But my stance doesn't change. So um, thank you very much. Yep. Same here. All right. <laughs> so there is it, our It elaborate- likely still is redundant, and it is likely only valuable for, for people and their identities. It's, there's our elaboration on CDT. You know, it's funny. Uh, Why is it CDT? Context, context-driven testing. 
Oh, okay. Because I do. I'm a con. You see this in bios all over the place. I'm a context-driven tester. Okay. Again, that's redundant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what, Brent? I'm a context-driven driver. Me too. I'm a context-driven podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair because what somebody's going to say is in that one you use context-driven to mean sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Took it, it's it's uh almost nine o'clock in the morning. Takes, yeah. takes Brent an extra half a second to uh, catch on here. Yeah, and I don't know that I would uh, dispute that. <laughs> so hey, I um last night we're changing the topic here, and I know you have you have a conference coming up, but I'm going to start first. Go ahead. I'm going to let you finish. No, I'm not. Did you watch? Uh, totally random here. I watched the uh, the MTV Music Video Awards on Sunday to check those out. Uh, is this the thing where Kanye goes on his yeah. forever long yeah. monologue? <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Yes and no. So I watched the whole thing. And I've n- I haven't watched the whole video. I'm, I'm freaking old and I haven't watched the whole music video awards in years, but it was, uh, it's funny. You watch this two and a half hour award show and they give away like four awards. Uh, <laughs> 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 that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, I forgot what I was going to say about that. But oh, are you supportive of, of West in twenty twenty? Um, you know, I don't think so. <laughs> I I, I want to hear his platform. Yeah. All right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, last night, Be I awesome bro. I I bought some plane tickets. Yeah, where are you going? And a hotel reservation, Maastricht, Netherlands. I probably got the name wrong. It's like M A A S T R I C H D. You talked about that. It's about a hundred miles from, but I know where it is now because um, it's about a hundred miles from Amsterdam. So I'm going to fly into Amsterdam, take a train up there, and hopefully find my way around. You've been there before, haven't you? I've been to Amsterdam, mm. and I've been to Copenhagen, which is in a different country, but in that part of the world. I've been to a, I've been to a bunch of places in Europe, but this is um, my first time to Maastricht. And what are you doing this time? I'm giving a talk at a mobile. I'm giving a keynote at um, Eurostar's mobile deep dive. So as Eurostar goes on from, it's like all week, uh, Monday through Thursday. And then there's this uh, uh, mobile deep dive on Friday, and I am going to talk about what I. I think you guys all know that the team that I recently left <laughs> was uh, the team that made is making. Or is made, I don't know, I'm not keeping up with them. But we made Android apps work on Windows Phone. So big challenge in, in mobile application development is compatibility. Mm-hmm. Especially if you go to Android, you have all the different hardware and, and different OSs and, and, and dependencies. But iOS has many as well. Uh, and we had it kind of from the other end. We're building a, we have all the Windows phones and trying to get we're doing app compat from the other side, trying to make all these Android apps run on Windows Phone. Now, this this code that you guys worked on, that's only with the phones that that ship with the Windows 10 that, code th- base, That'll right? be on the new Windows phones, yeah. Yeah, which I believe should be out by Christmas. I don't know. I I, I, have, I have to look. I but I'll, anyway, it's, it's fun. Uh, we have, I'm looking almost daily because my folded phone is old and I want a new one yeah. in. And you'll like Waiting it because I'm going to dive pretty deep into how we used uh, telemetry mm-hmm. and data analysis 
to uh, sort of solve a lot of the app compat problems. So this is your first non-test conference in a while, and you're doing it's a, a test. Con- it's a test conference. Oh, is it? So it's a, it's Eurostar. It's a testing conference. I'm doing oh, the I mobile see. deep dive at the end, and then uh, that's in November. But I'm doing. I mentioned last year, so I'm going to walk through kind of my horizon here, uh, just for the hell of it, because it's random and it's morning. I just my coffee's just kicking in. Last spring, I ran a half marathon for the first time. Mm-hmm. I think I, I mentioned that, but I'm doing another one. So last time, my goal was to finish in two hours, and it took me two hours and 45 seconds. I was pretty bummed about so that. Close. I know. <laughs> You're a I didn't stop for that water. <laughs> I, I actually, I, it was the other way around. I had to stop and pee. <laughs> so seriously, 45 seconds, and I, and I had no gas left to run at the end, though. So um, uh, I'm doing another one. I'm doing a do-over in uh, in October. Uh, I'm going to see if I can get that time under two hours. Uh, I think I'm on track, but as uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, You're no, practicing, right? What do you mean practicing? So back, <laughs> way back in the day, way back in the day, I used to I used to run cross country, and we would our when we trained, like I would run ten miles every day. I don't miss those days. I'm too. I'm really too old for that. So I. All the training, yeah. I don't really have a, uh, uh, I mean, I run, I, I'm running, I don't know, 20 or 30 miles a week, but I've been doing longer and longer runs. I can, I can run 10 miles pretty comfortably, not at race pace, but, uh, my, for what, it, what it's worth, my, um, my like five and six mile times are way lower than they were six months ago. So I think hopefully that translates into a, what's your five mile time? Um, about 48 minutes, 47 minutes. Best I ever did was under 35. Yeah. Well, you were younger then. I was. All right. Anyway, so I'm, I'm doing that, but I did, I felt way too long talking about that. I am, I just gave Lee Copeland an ab, uh, an abstract. Remember last year, um, in the spring, I mentioned I got a call. I was going down to, um, someone canceled and I went down to the, uh, better software conference in Las Vegas to fill in and give a talk on, um, Actually, on A/B testing, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, yeah the I remember kind. that. And so it went, it went well enough that uh, that ended up being a, uh, for me, it was surprisingly a great deck. I, I uh, you don't talk about the, the the data science stuff all that often, so I made a false assumption that uh, Alan has no clue what he's talking about, and actually he does. It was I, a good deck. I can fake it, Adam. You know what? It went well. Fake it till you make it, baby. It, <laughs> I made it because I made it well enough that I'm going back to better software nice. in Las Vegas to give a half day tutorial on A B testing. Fantastic. <laughs> you should have seen the Brent for the face <laughs> Brent like... made. He said, everything I said before I take back, you don't know enough to talk about A B testing for a half <sighs> for a half day. No, I, I and I do. I suspect you do. I suspect uh I'll figure it out. I'll um you know, we'll play games. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I have time I have time to think about it. So that's coming up. Uh Lee's a very funny man. Um, I think that's it. Um, and you have something coming up too, right? Yeah. Uh, at the end of the, so I'm not going to present, uh, but at the end of the, of September, I'm flying to New York. It'll be my first time ever in New York. So I'm pretty excited about oh. that. Uh, for the, City's so great. They named it twice, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, for the Strata conference. Um, oh, which is for those who aren't, in the world, it's a major big data and data science conference. Um, I'm going to be going there partly to always like to learn latest and greatest. And I find um, 
it's interesting. The world today, when it comes to, to data science, um, those folks working on uh, Hadoop, yeah, uh, kind of pushing the, the envelope. So it's a great place to pick up new tricks and new ideas. Um, but I'm primarily going there for recruiting. Oh, and which, go for it. Um, so I've signed up for all the networking events and I. That's what we got, need. We actually for the don't. first time in like 15 years, I have business card cards ordered. Oh, you know, I haven't ordered business cards in a long time. I do have, uh, some angry weasel business cards. I said, I don't know where they are. Holy cow. I'll have to think about that. Did I ever show you those? No. I, I had, I got like a thing for a free, like, 50 pack or 100 pack of business cards but in design so i designed some angry weasel uh oh is this like one of the cards. deals up on cloud or something? yeah i got some yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. i paid like three dollars for shipping i got some so it's fun to do um when did you use those never okay. they're, they're, all, they're still in the box they could give one away i was thinking like for your book tour or something oh like back speaking in of which um i went to uh um right oh, game oh you're done, done. Oh. if there's any of the three that's in New York, and, and you're going to be in that neighborhood. Send me um, during that time. Um, love to meet you. Send right. send me a message on Twitter. Let's see if we can connect. All right. Two things I'm going to do. One, if I ever get that clout deal again, I'm getting A-B testing business cards with hashtag one of the three. Yeah. Two. Wait. Uh, you're not one of the three. No. If we, if we count us as one of the three, then we have like one. <laughs> Coffee's working for me, Alan. Apparently so, not for you. Charming, hilarious, and an idiot. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> la- on Friday, it was yeah. awesome. Uh, Trey McRae, shout out. Uh, recruiter at right. I shouldn't call him. Re- he didn't, he didn't invite me to recruit me, but, uh, I got to hang out with a bunch of people from Riot Games who make, um, League of Legends. They invited me to that little shindig down at, um, in Seattle and I got to have some, uh, beer and food on them and hang out and talk to him for a while uh cool people it was fun i was i was like socializing software people i ended up talking to uh uh some of their testers about um or i guess they were testers they were, we were talking about quality stuff i didn't ask them what their title was they're an online game they have all the right processes in place and it was good to talk to them and uh, why did they call you over you know, Trey's been uh, apparently internet. From what I hear from his coworkers, internet stalking me for some time now. So he um, he was going to be in Seattle and said, "I will meet this man." So he hung out. It's cool. That's nice cool. guy. Anything else on the upcoming home front? Want to get to the last topic? Yeah, let's go to, and then we'll get out of here. So uh, I posted a tweet about this yesterday, and this is the the rant portion of the because we screwed up and put the mailbag at the beginning, but the rant portion of the podcast is. And I've ranted about this before, not on the podcast. Can I do one bit of intro? Because right, it occurred to me when we were talking about the the charming and hilarious uh, topic, mm-hmm. right? The, what we what we ended up in episode twenty six is talking about. Uh, in essence, God damn it, we're sick and tired of testers playing the victim card. Yeah, and in the. And here's another example of the victim card. I saw it a lot. It came because I saw it a lot yesterday and it comes up, it comes in spurts, but it's, it's consistent enough that I don't get it is a lot of the cool kids. I don't know. Consultants, um, 
a lot of experienced testers too. Uh, I don't actually, I, I kind of know who some of the consultants are. I shouldn't blame them. I don't know who they all are. I, I don't look up bios that often on Twitter, but uh, I see a lot of blogs and posts about we could make better software if it weren't for the managers or we need to get managers to let us do our jobs correctly or managers are stopping me from being, you know, a, a proper tester, blah, 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 blah. If I were to, if I were to just pop out of the ether with no other context and read this stuff, I go, Oh my God, all managers of software projects in the world are complete idiots and morons. And I will. And apparently entirely anti-test. Oh, even though more than likely they hired the testers, right? And, and even better, they are they they focus their whole job around you know bean counting, and and absolutely no context. And and guess what? There are probably some managers like that. That's great. And all no, most no, some yeah. But backing up a step. You know, I've worked for good managers and bad managers. I've been really lucky to have some really great managers in my recent past, but I've had really bad ones as well. And regardless, one thing I can tell you, and if I think if you would talk to any of my managers for the last 10 or 15 years at Microsoft, they would say, they would agree with me when, whether I've had good managers or bad managers, you know, and one thing I said to my boss when I came here, uh, was this current team, current team. Says, uh, thank you. I, I said, I have a track record of making my managers better. And, and we had a conversation about that. And he was, he, uh, he said, blah, it was great. But I've done that. I, I think I have helped every single one of my managers get better at their job uh, in multitudes of ways. I think that's really important. I think it's important. Um, sure, I can complain about them. But to, to be the victim and go, I can't do it because my manager says, uh, my very first day at Microsoft – my very first week at Microsoft, um, I've told this story. I think it's in the book. I've told it before. Manager gave me a list of test cases and said, you need to run these every day. And I said, oh, when do you need them automated by? Because I was going to just, they were, they were very automatable test cases. He said, oh no, we don't have time to automate. You just need to run these every day. And I could go, you know, the Twitter wasn't around them, but I go, my managers, won't, management won't let me automate. And I could just kind of be the, the, the crybaby and go do these things. I said, you know what? I'm going to automate them anyway because I know I can do this like in my spare time. So I had them automated by like Thursday and, and they, they run in the background while I was doing other exploratory testing and it worked out fine. Um, I don't know if I made that manager better. And that manager was uh, probably my worst manager at Microsoft, I, but I didn't realize after I had better managers. But there's a point when I, I think even if you have a bad manager, you don't need to be blocked by them. Or if you have a bad manager's manager – you don't need to be blocked by them. And one thing I know I've said before on this podcast is, is I didn't make this one up. I've heard it before. If you have a bad manager and management chain, you know, you can change your organization or you can change your organization. Meaning you can be an instigator of change in your organization and start moving things in the right direction, or you can get a new organization to work in. Mm-hmm. But I'm so tired of the whining and complaining. And it, what bothers me more is it, is this, this is anecdotal and this may not be true, but it isn't always like the person in the org making the complaint. It's like some person who's 
not even an employee at a software company, but works in software, saying these things about management in general when they have no, and they have no context. <laughs> say, well, I've worked with or I've talked with. And every time I see somebody so the say, the logical fallacy bothers you the most? Every time I've, someone's really gone off on like really far out there, with, I call them on it. I say, do you have an example of this you can point me to? No, but I've heard of this or I've talked to someone who did this. And it's like, oh, Jesus, form your own damn opinion. Isn't that part of context? Forming your own opinion? Well, apparently Learn, they're part of the factory thinking? school. Oh, <laughs> there's my problem. Anyway, that's kind of my rant for the day on uh, I just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And I know the three you guys don't do this, but um, tell your friends to stop too. So I am a manager. You are. Uh, actually, actually, it was funny. Just yesterday, um, I was telling one of my employees, he didn't understand why I made a certain decision. Like screwing him on his review? No, he actually oh. got a fantastic oh. review. Sorry, I just teased me. But um, he didn't understand one of my decisions um, where essentially uh, we had this huge, big data job that was taken. And I stole resources from one of the big data jobs to feed it to this other one. And that created a huge bottleneck on the the thing I, I stole from. We had this big fire drill. This other thing needed resources. And I basically made a decision to damn the torpedoes. I don't care what happens to this thing. Yeah, it's going to screw things up. But this other thing, we got to get going. And he's like, man, that's really screwed us up. And I said, you know, oftentimes... I just want to remind you that I, that I am a manager. And what that means is, that, you know, a lot of times we spend a lot of times talking about architecture and really cool, uh, brainstorming and, and strategizing and building plans and doing really excellent work. But just remember that every now and again, I am still a manager, which means there's a little bit of pointy haired guy in me too. <laughs> well, but on, on the, on the manager thing, right? The, the, the one thing, Right. It's one thing to, to tell people, quit freaking whining and take control of your own destiny. Um, but the other thing is, is what they should be doing instead. Right. A lot of these managers, when they are not managers, but the employees, like, my, oh, my manager doesn't care about quality. The hell he doesn't. There's not a single manager on the planet that has hired a tester that doesn't care about quality. It's about risk. Or return on investment. In your particular case, your your first story, right? And I do find it interesting that my first manager also is the worst manager I've had at this company. Um, I think you know, for context on there, I think especially back then, not as much anymore. We've kind of we've flattened orgs, but their turnover was so high because people were, rest, were were vesting and getting out of here at that time. Early in our careers, um, the managers we worked for were very inexperienced, not just as managers but as employees. I knew people that were became people managers to being at Microsoft like a year. Yeah. And and we were back in those days. It still happens, but back in those days, if you got into management, it was generally because you were awesome as an IC. Yeah. And, and uh, it it takes a while for people to realize and it took us as a company a while to realize just because you're awesome as an engineer doesn't mean yeah. you're going to be awesome and, at managing and, and i and that it's funny because i've seen that um a, a sidetrack here but i saw that come up 
I forget who was tweeting about that or blogging about that just very recently, but um, is there should be a path for, and we figured this out a while ago, but there should be a path for ICs. It's not management. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, your story is, and, and it, and there, there is, I mean, nowadays, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think it's true at all companies. I think a lot of people, I like a lot of companies, your path, your only path to growth is management. I think it's still, I think that's still true today. Right. Anyway, back to, to, yeah, whatever, to your manager. Right. Back, back in those days, right. Um, God, MS test was still around, uh, recorded scripts, uh, were the dominant way people automated. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it was very common for those things to suck the soul of your test team away from maintenance because no one, uh, testers, the primary testers that we hired back in those days were, were essentially, um, knowledge workers and, and it was very common that they didn't understand how to code. Right. Um, right. I, I remember multiple times walking through very high level testers and introducing them to oop. Right. Um, so I think your manager just made a call on round his perception. Oh, absolutely. Of what it's going to cost. Yeah. The other thing too is, um, testers, they always got to be conscious of what the right thing. Right, the biggest thing I find is that they're not thinking about the right thing as it relates to the business. They're thinking about the right thing in some sort of idealistic point of view around um, a, a pure testing world, a pure quality world. Like software should be bug free. No, that's the quality. Why? That's the quality assurance school, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you close your laptop. Yeah. Um, one thing uh, I'm going to interrupt uh, is. One thing I've done for, I learned to do this about 10 years ago. I do it a lot is, wish I would have done it earlier in my career is when someone makes a decision you don't agree with, or you don't like, or they're dumb and smart people make dumb decisions all the time. But often what I've learned to do now is I think about there's a motivation behind that. Where does that, where, where did that come from? And absolutely right. If you look at my manager, thought his motivation is I need to have these, my manager's probably beating on me to make sure these tests are run every day. If he takes time to automate those, they're not going to get run, so we can't do that. So that's really easy for me to see today. Or it's going to take too long to run, and I I need these results yeah. now because we have some fire. Yeah, drills but you going see on. that all the time. It's like you know your your employee says, "I can't believe you know you cut that. It really screwed this up." But you look at the motivation. Well, I want to think why would someone cut that? And probably because well, this other thing obviously is more important, and it's very critical. So anyway, I think anytime someone makes a decision that you don't like don't agree with you think it's dumb one really valuable exercise is to just take a moment to reflect and brainstorm in your head on what motivated that decision or that action and then then that gives you a different context to work with them on especially when you want to modify that behavior i'll add color to that right almost every manager whether they're doing consciously or subconsciously when they're making decisions like their job is to make decisions they're making decisions on a return on investment criteria. Mm-hmm. What's the value I'm going to get out of this? Sure. Um, what's it going to cost me? And what is the window of opportunity where this value is useful? And I would even modify that that part of the statement. When I think of managers and leaders, I think leaders make decisions. A manager can be a leader. Leader doesn't have to be a manager. Managers make decisions too. Ma- yes. 
but some managers who are better leaders are better at it and do it more often and make more uh, higher, um, riskier or, or more impactful decisions. There are a manager can be, and I've known managers who weren't great leaders. They were okay leaders, but they were really good people managers. They knew how to relate to their employees, give them the right work, make sure they were motivated, make sure they had the skill and the will, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which I guess involves decision-making as well. Can so. you briefly, because um, we're not on the same page anymore, can you briefly define manager and leader? Uh, manager, who is someone who has people reporting to them, um, in charge of responsible for their career as well as you know uh, work etc 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 a leader is someone who does not who, who may or may not have people reporting to them but the leader is uh does more coaching whether it's technical mm-hmm. coaching or career coaching um uh, can make decisions can uh, uh so a manager who's a good people manager cannot be a leader no, it can be. No, no. But the uh, Venn diagram is that there is. That what, I, what I'm me. saying, what I'm saying is, it's possible. Uh, what I'm exploring, For a, a manager, what, what I'm exploring, be a good people manager, and still not be a leader, and still not be, uh, yeah, maybe not be much of a leader. Okay, fair enough. All right. <clears throat> my my bar, I give this speech quite a bit, right? Um, the biggest difference. Between a, a, a manager and a leader, managers have people who report to them, first and foremost. Leaders may or may not, but managers do have people who report to them. Leaders, though, have people who follow them. There's a key difference between those two. Um, my reports, if I'm a manager, my reports don't have to respect me. They don't even have to... Uh, follow my beliefs they don't even have to believe in what i believe but if i'm a manager they do have to do what i say a leader though uh if you don't have people who follow you and a follow means they've made a decision that what you're saying is the right thing it's goodness it's the right path to go it um will not only benefit whatever the goal we're trying to achieve, but, but benefit them directly. Right. Um, we talk he- So here at Microsoft, we have this thing called the senior ban. And one of the most common speeches I, I give people is that to get into the senior ban, you have to show signs of leadership. And then mm-hmm. I go into this yep. long-ass speech as to what is leadership. And to get out of the senior ban, you have to show that you've mastered it and that you have the, the capability to be an investor in the business. Yeah. And you remember many years ago, I designed and taught a course to testers on what it meant to be senior and, and talked about many of those things. Yeah. God, that, that cracked open. Like you had a whole like uh, testing personas thing that you did for a while. Yeah. I had all kinds. And oh, I, man. I haven't thought about that. And, yeah. It's a different world because the world has changed. And I've recognized that the world has changed and not holding on to ideas from the past. Yep. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> so on that on that pointed note, yes. How about we uh, bring twenty seven to a close? Yep. All right, Mister Charming. Okay, I'm Charming Allen. I'm hilarious Brent, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.